Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. We have an incredible show for you today. The show is titled Boom, Bust, or Bubble. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that it's really good times and things are great. Um, some people may be a little concerned, uh, rising interest rates, uh, some strange things going around the world. We have politics changing. So we have an expert in the uh, studio one today. Jim Costello's with us. He's senior vice president with Real Capital Analytics. Jim, thanks for being in uh, studio one with us. Hey, thanks for having me. But isn't that why there's a market anyway? Because there's people with different expectations. Exactly. That's you what know, makes the market. Right? Exactly. That makes the opportunity. Right. So, so are we in bubble territory? It's been a long. Uh, nice ride here. <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I'm an economist, and to me, bubble bubble's a fighting word because it says that <laughs> yeah. people are irrational. Yeah. And and I, you know, fundamentally, I don't think people are irrational. They know what they're doing. It's just sometimes they make a rational decision for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, you look back at 06, 07. There were a lot of people thinking, hey, you know, given where construction's at, we're going to see double-digit rent growth forever. Now. They were wrong, yeah. and I think the process that led that led them to that thought was wrong. But based on the information, if you truly thought that was going to happen, they did the right thing. So you know that that that's where you get into this issue of bubbles. So I think that you know the poorly formed expectations at the time really was the problem. So you look at today: are they doing the same things today? Are they forming their expectations of the future the same way as in the past? And there, the answer is no. If you look at 0607, there's just a razor thin mortgage, uh, difference between mortgage rates and cap rates. Today, there's a wide spread. You know, cap rates, while they're historically low, so are interest rates, so are mortgage rates. There's still positive leverage in investments that people do. And there's a lot more equity coming into transactions right now. People aren't going into the market today thinking that they're going to hit the double digit uh, price growth we've seen over the pre- previous three or four years. The folks who are going in are looking at the real estate class, which is someplace they can go for safe, stable yield, which is different than the previous uh, high water mark for the market. Yeah. Well, in some cases, it seems like we're seeing priced to perfection. You know, we're seeing some pretty low cap rates, but we do have some things going on around us, like interest rates increasing. Yeah, and interest rates increasing. I mean, yeah. if I could forecast interest rates, I'd be a very wealthy man right now. But you know, I think that it is the case that mm-hmm. at some point they should go up. Mm-hmm. But once they do, the, the people have been thinking about it the wrong way. They look at say, if cap rates are at five percent and the ten-year Treasury what two point two, let's say it goes up to three point two. Let's say it goes up another hundred basis points. The way a lot of people look at that, they think, okay, add a hundred basis points to that. So I'm thinking six for a cap rate which is the wrong way to think about it because you know, the, the forces that drive an interest rate increase, you know, if they come through, fiscal changes in terms of what the government's spending on. You know, the, there's this hope of maybe some infrastructure spending, you know, some more tax policy changes. Those kind of activities could generate growth in the economy, which fundamentally would make the income streams from the tenants more stable, more predictable, and so it would actually reduce the risk in owning real estate, and so you should see uh, more of a narrowing of the spread between cap rates and interest rates. It's not to say cap rates won't go up, but maybe it doesn't go up at the same pace as interest rates. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And 
you know, we're already hearing on the brokerage side that, you know, our buyers telling us <clears throat> on small to large deals that, hey, my cost of capital is going up, you know, and I want the same yield, um, and especially on some of uh, in, an asset class of single tenant net lease properties where, you know, there's not as much expected increase in the income uh, there. So, and you mentioned um, political environment. Right. And what, and so what about Trump and what he's doing? He, he makes some people nervous. Makes some pe- a lot of people excited. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, uh, I had to look at this and just kind of divorce myself from all of it and just think about it just from a macro perspective. There's a group of economists that uh, uh, put together an index of economic uncertainty. They look uh, through all the news reports and they don't do it. They have this big machine learning thing do it and look for key words indicating uncertainty around economic policy, basically fiscal policy, regulatory policy, policy, monetary policy, and all those things, they've been increasing since the election. There's a lot of uncertainty. You know, I think that one of the, the best things that could happen is just to provide some clarity on what happens next and consistent, clear messaging around that. And that's what's been lacking so far. You know, once you get that in place, you know, whether you support where they're going, whether you don't, if everybody knows what the rules of the game are, then I think that it would help the investors, you know, make better decisions. And I think there's some hesitancy right now, you know, what happens next to 1031 exchange? What happens next to mortgage interest deduction for businesses, for individuals? What happens to corporate tax rates? Until we figure some of that stuff out, it's hard to, you know, make big bets. Is there a little bit of a slowdown in the volume of uh, investment commercial real estate sales right now? Uh, there's not a little slowdown. There's, there's been a big slowdown. Uh, first quarter, we were down 18% year over year. Into April, it was down, 18, uh, down 25%. And we're coming out with some figures next week in May. And the preliminary figures are telling me, again, a big double-digit decline. The funny thing, though, people see that and they think, oh, well, it's gloom and doom. It's a sign of an, another downturn. They always look at the last recession. And they think, oh, well, we saw falling volume and prices fell at record rates. But prices are still sticky. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that the buyers are coming in saying, hey, I've got a higher cost of capital. But sellers are looking at that and saying, well, too bad. This is what I've got. If you could find a better option, all the best. But they have this asset. They're able to finance it at a good rate. And if they sell it, what do they get? They get a bunch of cash that they can put into another expensive piece of real estate. So there's just a big disconnect right now between buyers and sellers. And is that part of the slowdown? Is that disconnect? Or is it that some of the buyers are just uncertain about what's going on? I think it's all of it. It, It's a whole, it's not just the buyers uncertain, it's Mm -hmm. the sellers uncertain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why sell now? Maybe I wait a bit. Maybe it'll be more tax advantage. Uh, There'll be more tax advantages in the future. Maybe there'll be other opportunities to structure my business in the future. So I think you know a lot of folks are just kind of sitting in the sidelines. But also, it's not just one or the other moving. I think they're both moving. Largely, I think in the first quarter, you saw a pullback in uh, offering packages of high-quality assets. And talk with folks at the ULI meeting in Seattle, and a lot of the acquisition people I met with were really noting that, gee, they're just not seeing the acquisition, uh, the offering packages the same uh, quality and number they had in the past, which makes sense because it fits this whole time of uncertainty, you know, do I want to bring that to market today? But then the buyers too face a higher cost of capital. So the whole thing is just, you know, it's, it's a little spread. It's, it makes it a difficult time for, for some folks, but this is where, you know, the best brokers really earn their living because, you know, you go a few years back when 
interest rates and cap rates were falling and everything was growing at double digit rates, it was easy to bring buyers and sellers together. Yeah. Now, you know, those brokerage professionals have a much harder time trying to educate everybody on both sides of a transaction of where the world's going to go. Well, you mentioned the really high quality assets. So do you see a little difference in where we are with maybe boom buster bubble when it comes to asset type? So if you're talking, you know, core assets and gateway markets, but you know, most of the commercial real estate, when you look at the number of properties is not, that's not what it is. It's smaller buildings and tertiary markets and secondary markets. You know, is that, are we in a different part of the cycle there? Or is it all on the, on the same tide? Well, that's a good point. And, and thinking about two different ways, by market type, the biggest downturns in deal volume have been in the six major markets. The big expensive places like Boston, DC, New York especially, San Francisco, LA, Chicago. Those are the areas where deal volume has fallen off the most. And when you get into the secondary and tertiary markets, you have two things going for it. The pricing is more attractive. There's a better yield opportunity. Uh, but some of these locations are also you know, starting to attract labor and capital. There's people being priced out of the San Francisco Bay region. Seattle, you know, some people argue it's a primary market just given the size, given the priciness, but it is starting to attract programmers who had worked and lived in the Bay Area. And so, you know, that, that higher yield can look, look attractive in that regard. Now, that's sort of on a market basis, you know, some markets are attracting that, but also if we think of sort of deal size, you know, most of the volatility and volume so far has been in the $500 million plus range. If you get below that to you know, the stuff that trades more frequently anyway, you know, there, volume is down not anywhere near as much. At the lowest ranges, you know, five to $10 million deals, you're kind of flat for the year, yeah. no declines yet. And so I think you know, there's a difference when you get up into the, uh, uh, the high-priced items. Yeah. That's where the most sensitivity is at. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I think we have people all over the country. Stay with us. We're going to talk about world economy and the impact on commercial real estate in the U.S. and what do the lenders think because it's all about getting the funding, right? Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, Atlanta's premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Visit bullrealty.com. And we're talking about boom, bust, or bubble. Where are we? My guest is Jim Costello. He's Senior Vice President with Real Capital Analytics here in Studio One. And, and Jim, one of the things that really impact commercial real estate is the lenders and and the and what their regulators are telling them and and what they're all telling each other about the market and the economy you talk to a lot of lenders in these groups uh, around the country you know what is what's going on with lenders what are they thinking today you know lenders i think are stuck in the same world as all the equity investors mm -hmm. they're also looking at the world they're looking at prices at record highs and they're worried you know, do i make a loan at these prices you know, is it something where 
I'm going to face risks that you know, prices may fall and I might not get repaid. So they're concerned like everybody else. Mm -hmm. The thing I find interesting at the moment, and it's a difference uh, between the current market and the 0607 situation. 0607, it was a competitive lending market then as well. And as cap rates fell, so too did debt service coverage ratios as lenders competed you know, to get every deal by cutting their standards. And today, lenders are still competing, but they're not cutting their standards as much. Debt service coverage ratios haven't chased cap rates down. Uh, so you've got you know, some, some more stability there. Now, there's new entrants to the field, and that, I think, is starting to worry some of the market participants I talk to. You have a number of uh, mortgage debt funds that have come, come out. Really, at this stage in the cycle, with prices so high, some investors have thought, you know, should I be in the equity portion of the capital stack, or should I be in the debt portion of the capital stack? And if prices might come down a bit, I might be safer for the kind of low yield, kind of safe, stable returns I want if I'm in the debt portion of the capital stack. So these mortgage debt funds have got folks concerned. Uh, I've heard the term thrown out there, well, it's a shadow banking system, mm -hmm. and worries that there might be some problems there. I think the challenge so far is most of those funds, they really can't compete on the first mortgage stuff where you'd have most of the challenges. It's it just their cost of capital requires that they get a higher return. So that to play more in the mes and pref equity portion. And so it's, it's a little less uh, 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 risky in that sense for the market overall. But you know, these folks are out there and they're, they're starting to, uh, to generate some activity for the market. Yeah, and it seems like some of the lenders that we talk to, you know, we're in the business every day, uh, are a little cautious and they, they blame the, the regulators. So are, you know, is, is, are they mentioning that the regulators are making them cut back or making them be more cautious? Yeah, you know, regulation in lending, it can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, right? The problem is, it's, I think of it like a pendulum. You go back to before the financial crisis, arguably the pendulum was way to the side of no regulation. You had people making mortgages that had you know, no oversight, you know, uh, no documentation, and sold in these packages securities that nobody really looked at. That was a problem. But then to deal with that problem, they came in with a heavy-handed fist of regulation that over-regulated things. Talking with people on the residential side of the world, what they had to go through to get a closing done now, in terms of the amount of documentation and paperwork, it's maddening. Yeah. And, and I think that you know, that regulatory burden, it impacts commercial as well. Just look at what the CMBS world has had to deal with, to try and think about how they deal with risk retention. And you know, those kind of issues have hampered uh, commercial property lending. Now, some of that may go away. There's talk of even some of the risk retention for commercial property uh, mortgages in the uh, CMBS world going away, which would you know, help provide additional sources of capital into the commercial markets. But the regulation, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's beneficial to some degree as long as it doesn't get too intense. And there's been people working with the regulators trying to make them understand those issues. But the, the, I think actually the folks who get, have it the hardest are the developers because the developers have, you know, uh, a real need for for debt financing, and the the, the regulations on so-called high volatility commercial real estate loans uh, have really hampered the amount of capital going into uh, uh, that financing. Now that's an area I think where it's interesting where the, some of the debt funds are stepping up to that. That's a higher cost of capital compared to what one might get from banks. But in a way, I might argue since construction is so much riskier, you know, there's so many things that can happen along the way. You can run into just construction problems. You know, find a graveyard on the site, whatever, <laughs> or just have the property delivered at the wrong point in the cycle. All those things and all those risks, arguably a high cost of capital, 
you know, is probably a good thing to reward someone for taking on the risks of providing uh, capital to a startup like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and you bring up a good point, too, with the amount of new supply. So if you look back at uh, the previous recession, some would call it a depression if they owned a lot of real estate they lost, um, and, and where we are now and looking uh, forward, there's been a lot less new supply, right? Is that, how does that impact the Well, the there's, there's pockets of supply, yeah. and, and I find this funny. I mean, it's like our industry is still feeling the pain of the 1980s. You know, we had a supply-driven uh, downturn then, and, and it's like we always look back to the last downturn and said, you know, we're always fighting the last battle. Yeah. But in this case, we've gone through two downturns where it was really kind of demand and fiscal-driven and not supply-driven, and yet people are still worried about supply as a driver of the next downturn. Uh, so I think we need to be a little less fearful of supply than we currently are. Now that said, there's a few pockets here and there across the country where supply is pretty intense. I live in the middle of one of them, downtown Brooklyn in, in the New York area. It was an area with a lot of one, two-story deferred maintenance brick buildings. They've been tearing them down, building amazing residential towers. And so prices are kind of you know, light at the moment because there's so much coming at once. But it's a location. You look out from my deck and see the Statue of Liberty and get the two subway stop ride into Manhattan. It's not a bad place to be. Yeah, I can imagine. So you talk about uh, new supply. So we, so if you look at new supply, multifamilies had a lot of new supply in, in certain markets. Retail, I guess, has been through a change. Um, but let's look at office. I think office is a, a, a favorite asset class, right, with a lot of investors and foreign investors. So um, what do you think about supply and values for office properties in general? You know, thinking about the supply trends for for, for the property sector, I think it's only certain markets that are able to support the pricing needed to generate new construction. Yeah, we haven't seen the same kind of price expansion cycle in every market. You know, the six major markets in the United States you know, saw the strongest price growth in the urban areas. Mm -hmm. Those are the areas generally for all property types, whether office, apartment, hotel, that have been facing some new supply pressures. Yeah. If you are in uh, a small uh, industrial city in the Midwest, uh, you just haven't had the price appreciation necessary to generate the incentives for developers to come in and deliver a new office asset. Right, so very market specific. When you talk to the, the lenders and you get a vibe from them, are, are they certain asset classes they're a little concerned about, like maybe multifamily or retail? or? Oh, the, the one sector that everybody's concerned about is retail. And it's a shame because there's, there's really well-performing retail assets with great locations, great consumer bases, and tenants that are still in the business that are facing challenges and getting financing. All because you know people tend to, at the board level, paint with a broad brush. Yeah. And so it gets pushed down to the loan officer, hey, stay away from retail. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's a problem, I think, for retail that is gonna be out there for a while. Yeah, you create your own problem, right? Exactly. Yeah. But it's an opportunity, I think, as well, for somebody who steps in and realizes yeah. there's a market dislocation, maybe I can provide some services in the retail market where others are a little shy right now. If you're you know, going in 
like a sniper and just picking out targets one at a time. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned before the kind of the smaller price range properties maybe haven't been affected as much. And we sell a lot of shopping centers from like three million to twenty million, and they're just they seem to be on fire. They seem to be hot. Well, we're gonna take a short break. When we get back, we'll ask Jim about the worldwide economy, some things going on around the world, and how it may impact commercial real estate in the U.S. Stay with us. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Build-Out, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit BuildOut.com. Hi, this is Michael Ball. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential terms because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today our show is Boom, Bust, or Bubble. And this segment is brought to you by Valuate. If you'd like some great online software to do analysis on investment properties, check out GetValuate.com. My guest is Jim Costello, a senior vice president with Real Capital Analytics here in Studio One. Uh, Jim, and you know, it's it seems like it's a, a smaller world than it used to be. It seems like we're impacted here uh, locally and in the U.S. by things that go on all over the world. So what would you expect from the economy and in some of these other countries around the world and the impact for us in, in our economy here and then in our commercial real estate? Yeah, smaller world. I think you're right on that in the sense of like just the ability to get to places. It used to be you could only get a, a direct flight from Detroit to China. Now, just about every city, you know, here in Atlanta, you can get a direct flight. It's, uh, so it is a smaller world in that sense. But it's a smaller world also in terms of like capital moving and just looking at borders as just an abstraction and just there's investments in different places that just go where the best yield opportunities are at. That's been impacting the U.S. I tell you, you know, as I go around the country giving talks in different cities, I hear a number of appraisers, you know, they'll stand up and say, I haven't seen cap rates this low in, insert the city name here, in my 20 years of work. Mm-hmm. But part of it is that their 20 years of work is focused on just that one market. And they're not thinking about what happens in the broader global economy. The low uh, yields we have for real estate today, we had those in Europe for a very long time. It's just with a slow growing economy, then the rates of return for real estate you know, kind of come down. And we're coming off of a period of a t- a intensive growth that we had in the 60s and 70s when real estate, to be able to compete with the returns you got from development, you had to have a high return. So that development, that growth part of the economy uh, from when we expanded into the suburbs, that's starting to cool. So rates of return are coming down broadly. And you know, so our rates of return will be more like you know, the kind of the slow growing European returns moving forward. Now, China, you know, they have really great growth compared to us. You know, six, seven percent is slow to them, but even that, 
they're looking at the United States and saying, hey, let's put some capital over there. That's a different thing. For them, it's not about the yield opportunity. There, it's a, a pure diversification issue. Until recently, many of the Chinese companies couldn't even move capital out of the country. You know, all their eggs were in one basket. If you're a Chinese life insurance company and all your assets in the real estate portfolio are tied up in China, you looked at it and said, listen, I gotta diversify. You know, and so you know, we're sort of the safe, stable portion of the portfolio. And some of them you know, tried to, as soon as the rules were set, move as much money out as they could. You know, just from a, a diversification point of view. But I think the United States kind of provided that capital preservation play. Uh, they're also coming in doing some slightly different things than other global investors in the past. But really, the big story that always comes up, the regulators are concerned about with all this cross-border money coming in, they talk about Japan and the Japanese in the 1980s, and they get the wrong story there, I think. It's not, you know, all cross-border capital is not the same. There's different motivations. The Japanese in the 80s came in with a, a yield play, just buy the highest quality assets and hold it for long-term yield. The Chinese are coming in actually building businesses. They're buying development sites. They're building assets. Uh, you know, they're buying expertise so that they can build these global platforms. That's very different from what the Japanese did. And so I think that, that kind of capital coming in, I look at it, I think it has a little more staying power. So what would you think, Jim, would be the top item, the top trend that you might want to be cautious about when it comes to commercial real estate values moving forward? What would impact the commercial real estate world negatively the most, do you think? What could be? Negatively, the most would certainly be interest rates. You know, that's the one thing I look at every day. You know, where's the yield curve going? You know, what components of it? And looking at corporate bond spreads. Those are the things I look at the most. You know, the, the it's not necessarily the case that as interest rates go up, cap rates go up at the same pace. But if we do get into a situation where the long end of the yield curve is higher than today, then cap rates are going to have to go up to some degree. Not one-to-one, -one, but to some degree. So that's one thing I watch, watch the most. And, and let's go to the optimists in you. You, you are optimistic, but um, so what's the best thing that's going to make commercial real estate do well for a longer period of time? And how long do you expect the, the good times to last? I tell you, this, this, uh, this notion that we're not building as much today, mm -hmm. I think that has uh, a beneficial thing for commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. Everybody watching the show, has a career that's been colored by this expansion that we had out into the suburbs starting in the 50s, 60s, 70s. We're at the end of that. You know, we're, yeah, we may build more infrastructure with some of the policies that may be coming out of DC, but it's not like we're gonna add two or three new ring road highways and sprawl even further out. If we did that, if there were some technology that allowed that to happen where the cost of commuting and time of commuting were faster, then that would be different. But without that, we're kind of at the final footprint for a lot of urban areas. And I think that's gonna make the competition for space in these areas a little more intense than it was over the previous 30 years. So the lack of new supply is the best thing happening to commercial real estate today? It's certainly a, a beneficial thing. There's yeah. other good things that are happening. You yeah. know, we have, you know, despite the fact that it's not growing at the same pace as China, we have good growth in the economy yeah. today. There's yeah. good job growth. Yeah. And there's demand that comes out of it. So, you know, that's a healthy thing as well. So there's a couple healthy things, I think, that are happening for commercial real estate right now. Yeah. So how long do you expect this, the good times to last for, for us all out here in, in the oh, commercial gee, real estate I'm world? I'm sorry. You, know. you have your crystal ball, right? <laughs> you know, it, and, and that's a hard thing. You know, calling yeah. uh, economists 
you know, the, here's a dirty secret, just <laughs> letting everybody know this. Economists always get either the timing right or the magnitude right. They can't get both right, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, you know, when's the cycle gonna end exactly? It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think just the forces that are in play in the economy today, if we have you know, a bit of an increase in interest rates, I think for the right reasons, then the, the price reaction will be nowhere near as intense as what we saw after the financial crisis. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned that to people too that asked me and, you know, and they said, well, do you expect a, a recession? Well, yeah, at some point. And, but don't think about the last one. I wouldn't expect it to be that bad. I don't think anyone is. Yeah, I mean, is, that's but, the thing. There's no yeah. major imbalances in yeah. the economy today. Yeah. I mean, when I talk with the other economists and ask, I always ask them, what major imbalances do you see in the global economy today? They bring up the Fed balance sheet. You know, they've got a lot of assets there. Uh, you know, so at some point they unwind that and that might lead to a slightly higher interest rate environment. But I think they'll be slow and deliberative in their movements there. They're not gonna do some, something suddenly that's not their nature. Uh, so you've got that as a risk. You know, there's China. You know, the, it's been on a development binge. They're coming to the end of that. Uh, you know, how they transition that growth, how they deal with the debts that they, that they generated. That's gonna be a problem for the global economy. Now, there's a lot you can paper over with six and seven percent annual growth uh, okay. and with a government that can impose you know more bail-ins and whatever is needed to kind of keep things stable uh, but there still may be some problems that you know we don't understand yet and so those are ones i continue to watch but you know i'm optimistic that uh, you know, we'll be able to manage through those okay and i have a final question for you and if and uh, i think a lot of my listeners and viewers know uh what jim who jim is and what you guys do but they do a great job of tracking commercial real estate sales and, and volume and cap rates and prices around the country especially properties over a two and a half million dollars so around the world around the world excuse me yeah i'm i'm thinking just about us here in the u.s right so um so what would be your tip for commercial real estate owners overall right now of properties, let's say, for my audience in the U.S.? You know, the, the one thing, I actually wrote something for, uh, was more focused for lenders. It was a piece for CREFC uh, tied to the annual summer uh, convention. And I concluded it with my main point of advice was, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and, you know, at this point of the cycle, don't go too far ahead of your skis. Yeah. You know, if, we may be in a point when you know, prices can't climb at double-digit rates anymore, but it doesn't necessarily mean the prices are going to fall in the same kind of pace that went up. It may be kind of stuck for a while, a bit of a hung market. So it's okay to take some risks, but you know, understand what you're getting into and don't go too far out on, uh, on a leverage situation. I think that's one of the things that killed so many people in 0607. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And, you know, and that's what my, uh, my company said to me when they knew I was going to be on the show on the radio. They said, don't say anything stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure I have. Well, Jim, thanks for being with us. We appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me here. And thank you for joining us out there on the radio stations, on iTunes, on YouTube, or the show website. We appreciate you being with us. And connect with us. Uh, comment if you're watching on uh, YouTube or the show website. Connect with us. Uh, our uh, all of our social media accounts can be found at CREshow.com. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. 
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Plum Lending, online commercial real estate loans. Get Valuate, online investment analysis. Apto, your entire brokerage in the cloud. Build Out, the marketing tool for your brokerage. And Barnes Creative Studios, commercial real estate video production.